Welcome to Digital Stratosphere, the podcast that helps organizations throughout the world with their digital transformation journeys. Here, you will find independent and technology agnostic advice with no software vendor sales spin to help you make the best decisions for your organization. Whether you are in the process of selecting technology, in the midst of your transformation, or trying to get your initiative back on track, Digital Stratosphere provides expertise and best practices to help. So we're really going to focus on the upskilling, the career development, and just sort of the vision of your role as a potential project manager on a digital transformation. So I'm really looking forward to today's topic and today's guest, who I'm going to introduce in just a moment. Uh, but before I introduce our guest, a couple of logistical things. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned, this is a weekly live stream we host every week on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So wherever you're watching here today, you can find us every week, same time, same place. And um, we cover a host of topics related to digital transformation. And secondly, this interview becomes part of our weekly transformation ground control podcast. So a week or, or every Wednesday, I should say, uh, there's a new episode of transformation ground control and this recorded podcast that you're a part of here today will become part of that podcast episode once we edit it and add new content to it and whatnot. And that'll become part of the episode that gets released a week from tomorrow. So be sure to check that out if you don't already. That streams to LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter every Wednesday, the, the podcast Transformation Ground Control. You can also find it on audio podcast platforms throughout the world as well. And then last but not least, uh, perhaps most importantly, is we encourage you to ask questions along the way. I've got a list of questions I'm going to start with with our guests, but really at the end of the day, this is about you and your questions and what you want to cover. So I'd love to hear your chat and your questions as we, as we get it going here on the conversation. You can use the chat. Um, on whatever platform you're listening or watching here today. We'll keep an eye on that chat and we'll we'll draw the questions here uh, as we go. And speaking of chat, if you don't mind, before as I'm introducing my guest, if you don't mind just dropping in the chat what city and country you're joining from here today, I'd love to hear where in the world you're joining. We generally get a, a global audience, so it's always nice to hear where everyone's joining. So love to hear what city and country you're joining from today. I myself, I'm in Denver, Colorado. And I'll ask our, our host here, or our guest here, when she introduces herself, maybe mention where she is. Um, so speaking of our guest, again, the topic, how to become a better project manager of digital transformations. And I have the perfect guest for that topic, uh, Adriana Girdler. So Adriana, thank you for being here today. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Always a pleasure to be chatting with you and your audience. And I'm from Toronto, Canada. Great. So we've got Toronto, we've got Denver, we've got already Greece. people mentioning here coming in from... Greece, Toledo, Ohio, Daytona Beach, Florida, another from Denver, Colorado, New York City, um, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Miami, Florida. So people from all over the world joining here today. Thank you for dropping in the chat where you are today. Fantastic. Um, so this is your second time here on the show, Adriana. So I'm really excited. It to have is. You well, thank you so much for inviting me back. It was a great conversation the first time and such an engaging audience. So I'm really looking forward to this one as well. As we were preparing for this conversation, I was going back to my notes to see, you know, what did we cover last time? What were the major threads we covered? And I thought it's been a few months, but it's been almost a year. So time really does go, go by really fast. I had to go way back in my notes to find the, to find the conversation. Isn't that crazy? 
It is crazy. So glad, better late than never, I suppose, but great to have you back. And uh, maybe just to start for those of those that weren't part of that initial conversation you and I had, or if they just forgot, maybe tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do, how you got in this role, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I am the president and chief efficiency officer of Cornerstone Dynamics, and we are a process and project management consulting firm, and that's what we specialize. So we focus on making internal ways working for organizations better, more effective, more efficient through project management principles and through uh, efficiency principles. I'm also the founder and creator of Slay Project Management, which is a practical uh, project management online program that really helps individuals to truly understand the framework of project management, to be successful, to execute projects from true start to true finish, and to do it in a practical way with all the templates and everything that you need to be successful. So that's who I am, and that's really what I do. And I help many large global organizations do what they do better. Great. That's a that's a very crisp and concise uh, vision statement, sort of purpose statement of, yes. of what it is to do. <laughs> yeah, Very <absolutely>. interesting. <laughs> and if yes. you don't already, check out Adriana's YouTube channel. She has a really good YouTube channel. Um, and that's how I found you actually was on YouTube. And so anytime I want to know about project management, or I feel like I need to sharpen my saw as it relates to project management. Or quite frankly, if I'm just looking for ideas on how to get more concise in my communication or bring up my energy level, I go to your channel. So be sure to check out Adriana Girdler's channel on YouTube too. It's really good. Thank you. And you've recently passed 100,000 uh, subscribers. I'm at 140,000 now. Yeah. So nice. the goal, yeah, the goal is 1 million. So please subscribe if you haven't subscribed. <laughs> Every subscriber. No, sorry. It's an amazing community. Um, it's an amazing community. And really, I get very excited because um, I like giving value and to ensure that there's lessons learned from there because there's so much that I think we get so busy on executing that we forget how we execute on things, which can make it either to be a more work or B just have interactions that have a little more struggle with it. And it doesn't have to be uh, with the people around us who we work with, you know, a big part of our day. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get started in project management? I kind of know you who you are today, but I didn't know you way back when, when you started out, how, how did you, how did your career progress and how'd you end up in a project management role? So I think like most project managers, I stumbled onto the role. <laughs> I did not wake up one day in university going, I want to be a project manager. I mean, I, I have multiple degrees. My first one is a history degree, so a Bachelor of Arts. And then my second is mechanical engineering. So it, it was really, I stumbled upon it. And um, I really got into it from the engineering end of things because with engineering, it's very project oriented. And as a result of it being project oriented, it was just one of those things where I just automatically because of the role got into projects. And that's really how it came about. And then it was in my pharmaceutical years that um, I was, it was suggested to me, hey, you should really get your PMP, which is your project management professional designation. And so I did that uh, in the pharmaceutical years. Uh, and yeah, and I've been doing it, oh my goodness, like 25 plus years, which I know I'm supposed to say I don't look like it. Actually, everybody's supposed to say I don't look like it. Yeah, we're all but, say that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, that's so vain, right? Such vanity coming into play. But yeah, no, I've been doing this for a really long time. And that's why I have the YouTube channel. That's why I have the practical project management course. And that's why as a consulting firm, we get asked to help organizations do what they do better because of the years of experience in the different industries that we've been in. So 
Yeah, it was so, a stumbling effect. <laughs> I stumbled. You, you know, it's funny you say that, though, because I don't know of any project managers that really set out on that project management career path. They sort of stumbled upon it, and then they sort of reactively think, oh, wait, I should probably get certified in PMP or get some sort of skill set training. training. Or, yeah, you know, it's, it- it's interesting because project management is a skill set. And I think too many people get thrown in the role, and then they wonder why things fail. In fact, one of the uh, big stats within project management is 67 70%. 60 to 70% of projects fail. So that's huge. Like when we take a look and we take a step back from an organizational perspective, when we look at success rates, 60 to 70% failure is not acceptable, but yet for projects, we allow for that. And when we, and when you take a look at it, it's time, scope, and budget, it's like, did you go over budget? Did you not meet your timelines? And did you actually achieve what you needed to achieve? And that's 60 to 70%, let alone um, issues within the project and not getting the right quality or having, you know, not the right uh, communication amongst your team. So that causes a lot of political issues, right? So it's it's a very interesting dilemma. And I think too many people think anyone can do project management. And I think it's not to say that you can't do project management. You have to be taught how to do project management. There is a way to go about doing it. And I think sometimes that gets lost a lot in organizations. And then they wonder why they're not successful or their initiatives or projects that they're putting in place are just not giving them what they needed. And it's usually because of how things were executed nine times out of 10. Yeah. So yeah. that 60 to 70% metric, that is projects of any sort. I mean, not just digital or, or technology projects, but any sort of like transformation or any sort any, of Any type issue. of project. It's, it's, it's a really high, it's, it's really unfortunate because it shouldn't be that way, but yeah, mm. it's like any, and then, and then you add in, certain types of industries or types of projects. And I'll be honest, you put in any type of digital project and you mix it with the regular uh, corporate population who is not digital or who doesn't understand software related stuff. And that even increases more so. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of issues, a lot of just rework and it's a struggle. And I come across that. A lot of times we get asked to fix problems. Like, oh my God, we have this project. Can you help us fix it? And as I said, nine times out of 10, it's just how fundamentals weren't used. A lot of assumptions were made. And particularly when it comes to digital transformation, um, there's unrealistic expectations from senior executives to get things done quicker. There has to be a little more thought, energy, and effort to look through it. And then the biggest problem too are business requirements. There's this disconnect that I see all the time between software-related folk and regular office-related folk. And, And what I mean by that is like someone who's in the finance department doesn't really understand how software engineers work, let's say, or if you're in that digital mindset, like, okay, I have to bring to all these things to fruition. And there's a little bit of disconnect with methodology. And then that's where I find everything falls apart. So it's like, that's why you have to really take a look at projects from true start to true finish from the point of initiation. And yes, you can still implement an agile methodology, waterfall methodology, like whatever hybrid methodology, whatever methodology you're going to use, but there's still this framework that you have to look at and apply. And remember, it's about people. And that's what gets forgotten. It's all about the task and about getting it done. And we have to forget it's about communication. It's about being, bringing, bringing people along the journey and ensuring that you've crossed your T's, dotted your I's. And that's through risk management and change management and things of that nature, which gets lost in a lot of digital transformation projects. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I've noticed, maybe maybe it's just the timing of when I've noticed. I don't know that your content has necessarily changed that much, but 
Um, I have noticed in your content on your YouTube channel lately, there, there seems to be more conversation around change management and the intersection of project management and change management, which I think is really fascinating and really important for people to understand. So um, kudos to you for not just focusing on sort of the PMP-ish sort of stuff, but also looking more globally at what what are all these different moving parts and pieces that are so important to make any sort of project successful? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because I think sometimes we forget because I'm, I'm also a master black belt lean six sigma mm -hmm. so you have to understand like i take the efficiency and effectiveness aspect and i i try to streamline and make everything as as efficient and effective as possible and it doesn't matter what it is that i do it with so you know and it's and it's whether it's that genre whether it's project management genre it's 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 fine to have your book knowledge right? You're book smart. Like, oh, hey, I theory, I know all of that. But it's the practicality of things that I think gets lost. And it's the A, have you done enough to have experience? And B, do you understand people? I think that's the biggest thing I see as a disconnect in a lot of projects is, do you understand how to motivate people? Do you know how to communicate? That's where that change management uh, piece comes in. So it's really important that you integrate that into your project uh, planning for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So since you and I are both vain, we share that uh, characteristic <laughs> here. I have to share this comment here <laughs> from, from Brandon on YouTube. Uh, Brandon on YouTube says, I just fell into project management four months ago. You've been huge motivators. So we have a, we have a mutual fan here with Brandon. So Yay. thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, it's, Sometimes it's just those small little pieces of golden nuggets of years of experience, right, Eric? Like mm -hmm. it's just, you know, we have these years of experience, we've seen things and it's like, don't reinvent the wheel, learn from others as much as you can. And what I always like to say is do your best work every day, whatever mm -hmm. that may be. And then, you know, you've done your due diligence, but always come from it from a lens of looking at things holistically, look at the horizon and bring everything together in your decision-making. But when we get very believe me, I, I get into it too when I'm under the gun, right? Pressure, looking at one thing, and we're forgetting that there's other things outside of our peripheral vision, which has impact on what we're doing. And if we're wondering why I did this, I executed it, why didn't it work well? Or how come it wasn't received that well? It's because we forgot to take a step back and we forgot to take a look at the peripheral vision. And that becomes really important in digital transformation type projects, because I promise you, there are so many people who are impacted by these types of digital transformation projects that they will make up their own story. And you need to nip those in the bud in order to ensure successful implementation, because you can have great implementation, but if people haven't bought into it, it will fail afterwards after the mm. go live. It's quite fascinating. And it, you will struggle and you're wondering, this is so simple, it makes sense. But why is it that people aren't buying into it? Because yeah. you need to do that work during the project stage and get everyone into the uh, framework of it. Yeah, and you're sort of touching on the call it the art of project management versus the science of it because you, i'm you so sorry i gotta do a shout out stewart's on the call stewart i'm giving away he's another youtuber by the way great channel to uh check out so oh my gosh stewart i just i just saw your your name so hello hello it's, a, it's a community it's a community anyway he is yeah <laughs> he, 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 i've seen his name and i i am familiar yeah. stewart, from his engagement yeah. on the platform yeah. he has really good stuff too yeah. yeah. So, so I guess when you think back, so you, you've been doing this 25 years, you think back to when you first stumbled in accidentally into project management, are there a couple key nuggets of things that you really wish you knew back then that you, you know, now 
if you could go back and do it all over, you might do it a little bit differently or, or you know, upskill a little bit faster in a couple of key areas. Yeah. You know what? I would have really learned facilitation first. Uh, I don't think people recognize that when you're a project manager, your secondary role is a facilitator. And there's two types of facilitation that you do. There's meeting facilitation. So you got to be really good at meetings. Why? Guess what? Most of your projects are all about meetings. Like that's how you execute on projects. Now it's not a meeting of an update. It's a meeting on, okay, what are resolutions? Where this, you know, where, where are we from a perspective of what's going on? How have we come up? Is there an approval, et cetera? So you have to really learn how to control meetings because I don't know about some of you, it's really easy for some meetings to get out of control. And then all of a sudden you're spending a couple of meetings to address an issue that if you just understood how to facilitate a meeting well and establish those rules and boundaries, which you can do immediately at the beginning of a meeting to really nip anyone who's trying to, you know, has a hidden agenda and wants to take the agenda off track. You can kind of like nip those things in the bud and keep things on track. That's your job. Secondary thing is you are a brainstorming facilitator and that's very specific. So, you know, I think that's something that, you know, again, in my earlier years, I really thought, oh, I, you know, here, I got a project. I did all the necessary documentation. I have my I didn't realize it was a baseline. Here's my project plan. Let's execute it and we're done. And it's like, right. no, that is your baseline project plan. Baseline. Baseline means it will change. Baseline means as of today with the information I have and all the due diligence I've done in advance of, I now have this baseline of what I think is going to have happen. As we start to execute, things pop up on the surface and we realize, oh my goodness, we can't do this. We can't do that. We have to change this. There's a supply chain issue. So I can't bring that in time. I got to shift schedules or I got to change direction or whatever it may be in order to keep my scope, time and budget. So that, that becomes really interesting. And that's where you have to, and this, this is where I think a lot of project managers, they don't do it. It's your job as a project manager to fill in the gaps and make sure the strategy of the organization and ultimately your project comes to fruition from a strategic standpoint. It is not your subject matter experts are great at executing tactically and they will do it. But you need to bring in the overarching umbrella of strategy and you have to help facilitate sessions. So there are times like, for example, for digital transformation, what's the biggest disconnect is between the business requirements and software engineers who are developing and designing. And a lot of times what the software engineers will say, and I get their perspective is like, hey, business, tell me what I need. And the business is like, well, I freaking know nothing about software. I don't know what I need. Help me out. Tell me what I need. And so what happens is business thinks they give what they need. Digital software is like, oh, great. I'm just going to build to what you tell me to build. And then all of a sudden the business is like, whoa, wait a minute. I need more than that. Didn't you think about it? Help me out. So there's this, there's this disconnect because a business really doesn't know what they need. They have ideas and concept. It's supposed to be this collaborative framework. So as a project manager, you have to go in and you have to brainstorm these sessions. You have to brainstorm these requirements. You know, you have to help both sides of the group to make sure that everything is really being looked at. That is what happens in really good projects. And then you do that throughout the life cycle of the project because there may be other things that pop up that you have to brainstorm brainstorm solutions for. So learning how to facilitate, oh my goodness, freaking huge. Sorry, I shouldn't, that's yeah. like my swear word, which I would actually, I swear a lot more than that. But anyway, I was gonna say, I'm, that's your, that's, I'm, your I'm, that's my version. clean, that's my PG version. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. Well, you know, you're, you're touching on though uh, a couple things. One is that, you know, you, you can be a project manager and check all the things on your on your checklist and hit all your milestones and 
on paper, you could have a quote unquote successful project. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do the things you just described, a couple of things you described, you described facilitation. And then a moment ago, you described sort of getting the buy-in of the organization. Those are two art, you know, it's more of the art of project management versus the science of project management, which is a topic I'm really fascinated by, because I think a lot of project managers tend to focus on the science yeah. of project management. Did I hit a milestone? Did I complete a task? Yes or no but they don't necessarily understand the shades of gray of, yeah, we completed this milestone, but we didn't do it very well, or Absolutely. we didn't do it well yeah. enough to really say that we can declare victory. And, and knowing that is like, how do you do that as a project manager? You know what I mean? Like as far as knowing that, yeah, technically we completed this task, but we really didn't. So that's experience. Right. And then when, when you said to me, what do I, what do I wish I knew back when that I know now, and that would be to be, to understand more about team dynamics, because mm -hmm. I, again, like where I am today, believe you me, is a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. So, you know, why now when I go into projects, I really am succinct. I can go very quickly. I can organize. In fact, people tell me I make it look easy all the time. I'm like, okay, just recognize I have over 25 plus years of experience doing this. Right. So I see patterns That's my engineering mind. So I've seen patterns. So I know what to put in place for these patterns. I've seen this stuff. It just so happens to have a different, you know, deliverable. It just so happens to have different departments, but I promise you the patterns are still there. So if I understood a little bit more of team dynamics psychology, which by the way, I love, I actually read now a lot of, a lot of, a lot of psychology because Again, I could have the perfect framework, all the right documents, but if I still have a team member who's not delivering, again, project managers, no one reports into you. Nobody reports into you. Yet you have to report into all these steering committees, senior executives, ensure things are getting right. So how do you motivate people who have other activities on their plate as well, not 100% of your project? And how do you get them motivated? And so that's where I would really talk to the psychology, the understanding, emotional intelligence, picking up on cues. I've gotten more information through body language than I do through vocally. And, and it's something where with virtual meetings and global teams, it's sometimes difficult when everyone has their camera off. Right. Right. So That's good. Yeah. So little things like that, like turn little, your camera on. Yeah. And again, there's people who are like, no. Yes. I don't have to my choice. My background is messy. I'm like, right. well, you know, and it's an interesting dilemma for organizations because I do give people choice. I explain why I'm asking. So that's probably the big thing is I do a lot of whys. Here's why we're doing it. Here's mm -hmm. why I'm asking you to do this. And then people kind of get, it. I go, look, I get more information from you with your camera on. I can see whether you're agreeing with me or disagreeing with me, but I'm letting you know for all the cameras off and everyone's going, yes, Adriana, yes, Adriana, yes, Adriana. Then I know there's some of you who have no clue what you're saying yes to. Like, I, I, I know that because I then have to do these extra meetings after the fact. And I'm like, seriously, I'm an efficiency person. Like right. that's a waste. We deem that a waste in the system. <laughs> right. And now you're, way. it's yeah. Like now I have to do, oh, seriously. So, you know, for smaller core teams, great. I find the larger teams, there's a little more challenge with it. And I, I, I feel for organizations because, you know, in all honesty, when you're in the office, do you like hide in the corner and turn your back to everyone because you don't want to show your face when you're around a boardroom table for a meeting? Do you do that? Yeah, no. No, <laughs> yeah. no. So why is that acceptable virtually? Right. Still meeting, 
It's just that it's a tool in the technology we're using. It's it's fascinating. If you're if you're doing work in a meeting, then you shouldn't be at that meeting. Right. Well, I was just gonna say I think <laughs> that's why I mean? people are multitasking, yeah. so that's why they yeah. don't want to be on camera necessarily. Yeah. Um, well, and and if that's the case, be honest and you know, say to the facilitator, which is why I talk about facilitation, you have to know who to invite, what exactly you're doing, what's your agenda, because if people know that your meetings are productive and have a purpose, they will join and they will turn the camera on and they will do what they need to do. If they feel it's just the same old, same old, like a status update meeting, or we're just going through the motions of stuff, then they won't, they won't turn it on. So there's something where you have to look to yourself and say, how much am I contributing to this issue as well? So, you know, I always say, um, as, as I said earlier on, you know, always put your best foot forward, do the best job you can for the day. But on the flip side of that as well, you have to always ask yourself too, am I part of creating what the issue is right now? Let's say with like meetings and everyone having their camera off, right? Is it a right. culture thing? Is it, you know, is it just people on my team? Do I have to have some one-on-ones? And this would probably be going back to your original question. I wish when I was younger, I had the courage and knew how to properly address challenges because i think there was a part of me that would ignore challenges and i see that a lot in the younger generation is they don't know how to address challenges and instead of addressing them and learning it because it's a skill set a very powerful skill set for all relationships professional relationships personal relationships they walk away hmm. right they walk yeah. away or they don't address it so it's it's very it's very interesting so you know again that's that whole psychology you know, how can I properly, respectfully, and professionally, Eric, challenge you and, and address a difficult situation because you're not delivering? That's not right. easy to do when you're young and you have someone who's older than you who's a subject matter expert on your team. Right. Right. So, but there's a way to go about doing it. Yeah. Way to go about doing it. Yeah. Well, and back to what you were saying about facilitation and sort of understanding and asking questions, you know, those sorts of things can oftentimes draw out. Um, you know, sources of misalignment or um, it, it builds credibility too by, by asking those questions of facil yeah. facilitating well. Um, here's a question from, uh, well, first of all, let me start with a comment before I get to the question, but this is from, uh, from YouTube, this comment here um, that is this energy from this live is infectious. So thank you for being so infectious, uh, Adriana. Yeah. I'm going to give yeah, you seriously. most of the credit. I'm going to give you 90% of the credit for that because your energy level is definitely higher than mine. I just, um, I love life. No, like, seriously, I love what I do. And, and I love being able, thank you for listening, by the way, everybody. So I love that everyone's here and they want to learn. So I, I'm, I'm a willing teacher. <laughs> right. Well, this is great. And then Laik has a really interesting uh, question that I think uh, might be interesting to hear your thoughts here. And I'll, I'll have to hide it to get through the whole question. But he says, as an external project management team, how do you ensure that you're aware of and manage the highest paid person's opinion effect? Navigating these situations can be quite political, even for internal teams. How do you how do you handle that so that yeah. the people have the most the most so, impact in an organization? So it's it's interesting. Uh, that's a, it's a really good question. Can you put that question back up just so yes. I can yeah Let see it uh, again? Because there's a couple of things I want to unpack here. So um, the highest paid person opinion. So we have to look at that from two angles. Okay, there's the is it an executive team member? right? Like a VP, a president, or is it a subject matter expert who happens to be the highest paid uh, subject matter expert who has a lot of knowledge? So there's a couple of things I want to deal with here. Let's unpack the easier one, which is an executive. 
all right, our job in an organization is to present as project, this is my personal opinion, the pros and cons and projects to present the issues, to make sure everything is aligned with strategy and to ensure that we get the deliverable through. And I'm going to do it collectively and collaboratively with my team and ensure that we all buy into what we need to do and to do it in a way where we all have fun as well, right? We all have this good collaboration amongst us so that we can ensure a successful project. Um, that's my job. And my job is to report up to the um, executive team. So if I have an executive team member and their job is about strategy, vision, to ensure that the organization moves forward. So if they have very specific, specific things that they want to have executed, I, I do have to listen to that, right? And, and, and you have to understand that they're steering the ship. Okay. They're right. steering the ship. They get paid to steer the ship. Okay. You may not agree with where they're going. Okay. Right. You don't have to, it's not your job to agree. Right. But you know, the, the thing is they have more insight than maybe that you realize. So what I like to do, and this is what's really important with project management is it's really critical with the senior executives up front to get all your buy-in, to get all of the ins and outs, the expectations, your scope template and your charter and get sign off. I literally make people sign my document. Mm -hmm. And I do a priority matrix as well, which again is with the senior executives to say, okay, what is my full constraint on this project, scope, time, or budget? And again, I can't have two constraints. I can only have one. What can I, you know, what is it that I have to optimize? And the, what I mean by that is, look, at, I want you to keep it, but if you have to, you know, flex with it, then by all means, I'm okay if you flex with that. So it would be the remaining two. And then what do I have complete flexibility with? Because I need to be able to, on the turn of a dime, be able to do stuff. And so when I do that all up front, and this is, again, the difference with really good project managers is there's a strategy, right? I get that all up front. I get sign off. I, my steering committee is made before I actually get my team members together, by the way. That's really important because there's all this approval and buy-in. And if you do all of this up front, I'm not going to get midway a senior executive saying, I want you to change this and I want you to do that. Why? Because we've already come up with all the agreements. But if I still have a senior executive who does that, guess what? I have a change control form, not a change management. This is change control. I have a simple one pager that's in my Slay project management program that I use. And that becomes, it's, it's not only a, a great tool, but it's a resource because a lot of times I will then give that to the executive to have them fill out or I'll sit down with the executive and we'll fill it out together. And a lot of those simple questions, it's like, what is it that you want done? Why you want done? How much is it going to be? All of a sudden you start asking all these questions and they're, and they're kind of like nine times out of 10. Ah, it's not that important. That's right. not that important because you're making them think. You're making right. them think. My job is not to tell them yes or no. My job is to say, let's pull it out so we understand the impact it is to the project because my job is the overarching timeline of the project, the whole gamut of the project. He or she does not know the details like I do. That's my job. So now I'm just sharing with them, like, you need to understand. Let's pull this out. Okay, what are you willing to give up? Because you can't have it all, right? You're doing this in the middle of the project. So again, so that's the technique that I use to really, A, nip things in the bud before they come to fruition. I have my scope and my charter, which I've already got approval from. So I bring it back. Like, why do you want to do it? Because we've already said, you know, said we were going to do A and now you want to change and do B. So, you know, that becomes the easier one to manage because you do the right process and framework. So I hope I've answered it from that perspective. Now there's number two.
If you are trying to achieve digital transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, select the right software, and manage their implementations. With offices in the U.S., Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. Whether you are embarking on an ERP, HCM, CRM, supply chain management, or any other digital transformation, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. Well, I was just going to say, just to add to what you said, I think you, you had some really important points, which is you use the words you can't have at all. And you also yeah. talked about how um, you're, you're really enforcing sort of a, a buy-in ownership sign-off process that makes this not about you, the project manager, you, the project manager are responsible for these decisions because you're not. I think you, what you're saying is that, it, yeah, you can't have it all. There's always going to be trade-offs in any decision you make in a project. And B, you, the project manager, should not necessarily be the ones making those decisions. You should be facilitating the decisions and, and kind of forcing the ownership of the rest of the organization. Yes. And I think that's a lot of us as project managers think, oh, okay, I have to I have to take these unrealistic expectations that make no sense that there's that's impossible to deliver, but I have to figure out a way to go deliver that instead Which, of saying, hey, let's figure out what the trade-offs are here and go with that instead. That's a really good call out. And I think a lot of project managers do that. Oh my God, I now have to deliver on this. Why are you taking that on? Right. You don't get paid to take that on. You right. don't. You don't get paid. Leave you me. Those executives, they're getting paid big bucks for a very good reason. And you have them on the steering committee for a very good reason. That's why I established that in the beginning. And right. and I and it's 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 not an option. <laughs> so you right. can't have it as an option. Um, so you know, by by doing that, it it just it diffuses a, a lot. And there's and there's techniques to go about. It. And I actually talk about this in my on my YouTube channel too. So if everyone is like, oh my goodness, whatever I'm saying, just go to my YouTube channel. Look at I I practice what I preach. Sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record. <laughs> this is the same thing over and over again. All right, but I do want to finish the question because I said there's two prongs to this. There's the executive side of it, and I said the executive was easier. People are probably going, really dealing with executives is easier. Go, yeah, when you set it up properly, like what I said. It's really easy. I've met so many executives wanting to change things because they had, I call it the whim, but it's, you know, they had an idea. That's, that's their role, right? They have ideas and they're visionaries for a reason. That's why they're in those roles. Right. Now, what do you do when you have the highest paid subject matter expert on your team who's saying, wait a minute. Now you have to understand a couple of things. I'm going to make some assumptions. Highest paid team member, usually someone who has a lot of experience. Mm usually has a lot of experience. When you're getting paid a lot more money than someone else, let's say for doing the same job, it's because they have a lot more experience. Um, they they know how to weather the storm. They've been through storms. And if they have to, they can you know come to the table and know how to deal with that. Those who kind of get paid less, yeah, they can execute in good weather, let's say, but when it comes to the storm, do they know how to do it, right? You get paid for the full gamut. We hope, like insurance, you don't have to use it, right? <laughs> right? But that's that's a difference. So that subject matter expert has a lot of pull and a lot of weight, actually, in a yeah. project team. And so, you know, when they start saying, no, we shouldn't do this, there's a couple of things that need to have. This is where your facilitation skills really come into play. This is where you stop everybody and you go, OK, wait a minute. 
Anna. Anna is the highest paid subject matter expert. Anna, you're, I'm hearing you. You do not want to move forward with this. It's, let's, let's talk it out, okay? What's going on in your experience that you feel this way? Because she obviously has a really good idea as to what's going on. Number two is after you kind of, that's where the psychology, that's where the people skills come into play. Number two is I'd probably, once we've discussed it, talked about collectively what we have to do, and I probably have to facilitate a brainstorming session around whatever it is that we're looking to change or do right? Mm -hmm. That's what I said, facilitation. So a lot of what I do as a project manager is to make sure that we're all being heard, listen, the really good ideas are coming out that's going to ensure the deliverable of, of the project. So that's how I would deal with, deal with that one question with the two different streams that pop right. up with it. That's great, great advice. And it's a great question too. And it's, it's good to recognize that because I think what we're touching on here is sort of the, the internal political forces that can derail a project if you don't know how to manage them if you and you don't know how to push back tactfully and effectively on some of that um some of those internal dynamics because those can really take over a project i mean i'm sure you've seen it too where those internal politics and dynamics and misalignments and unrealistic expectations all that stuff gets shoved onto the project manager and then the oh project manager is in a no-win situation where no matter how good you are you're not going to win in that situation if you don't do the things you just described as far as facilitating and overcoming those at 100%, project management is not about executing on tactical tasks. It's part of it, but it's not project management. Project management is understanding strategically everything that you need to do from a scope, time, and budget perspective to bring a deliverable to fruition with a group of people and to do it in a way that's collaborative and respectful and to bring about the idea so you do it in good quality. So when you take it from that perspective, you look at things differently. So I'm collaborative. So let me put this in place. I'm the project manager. I, at some point, like I'm collaborative in nature with what I do, but I also let the team know at some point I, I, I have to say, stop, this is what we're doing. Like at some point, I also have to come in and be a decision maker. Right. And if, if there's something that we can't be, I can't be a decision maker with, or really it's not a decision for the team or myself to make, it's the job of the steering committee who that's their role in projects is to remove roadblocks, to do approvals and to ensure the strategy of the organization is being met within your project. Mm -hmm. Okay. You need to understand that. Um, then that is what becomes, uh, and I, and I, I'll escalate it. We first try to resolve things with our team always. If I can't resolve it with the team, that's when it gets escalated. And I usually tell the team, Hey guys, you know what, if we can't resolve this, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You know, let's pull out what we need to have. Let's have the senior executives who get paid the big bucks. Let them make the decision. And believe you me, I document it all too. Right. Because right. I've had that happen where I've had a senior executive. Why did you do this? And I'm like, well, well, first of all, I document a lot. That's another very important skill set. <laughs> right, right. I document it and then I share and I have the paper trail. So it's it's now to a point where I do projects and I, I just say, guys, would you want to see it? Because of the paper trail. And they're like, right. no, no, no. We know, we know you have it, Adriana. We know you have it, right? Because I pull it out so many times and they're like, Ugh. so it's like, <laughs> be careful. Right. I, it's, it's getting documented. <laughs> and I say it, okay, yeah. guys, answer. What's the answer? Because it's getting documented, right? And those yeah. are just techniques because people forget, right? People forget. And it's just your well, job to and, remind And people. when things get tough um, and these projects are always difficult, you know, if, if you're a project manager on a project, chances are it's a complex project. It's difficult. It involves change. 
a certain subset of the organization may not necessarily want to go through the change. So it becomes easy to start pointing fingers and looking for a scapegoat. And, and I hate to say it, but oh, yeah. as a PM, like part of your job has to be to CYA. Like how do you, everything you just described, even though it's not the intent of what you just described, it is a CYA or cover your ass mechanism, which is, Absolutely. no, I, I didn't make this decision. This wasn't my decision. This was your decision, the business's decision. And we are executing on that. And if we need to change it, then this is what it looks like. But you know what I mean? Like you're, you're sort of taking that bullseye off you personally and making about the organization. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you, you take away the emotional charge is, is what, so like when you prep things properly, you document things properly and you follow a really good framework and you follow the process, as I said, within my program, Slay Project Management, um, that then allows for you to have everything that you need at the proper place, time. So you can go in and you're right. Cover your arse. <laughs> Those that so offended easily. We'll, we'll change the words. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so okay. Because here's something what I, I don't think people realize. Work is work, right? We have great rapports and relationships with people, but my colleagues, they're not my family. They don't love me unconditionally. They have their issues. They have egos. They come to the, to the table with their own hidden agenda. So you know what? If, if I were to go in and think that everybody has my back, because that's how it is, that's not the reality of life. I mean, you can take a look even at our personal social media. Like there's trolls who troll and they don't have your, like, come on. Like, so you have to be smart about things. That's all. Like you have to be smart. And that's just over the years of doing like, yeah, you know, making sure that you document cross the T's dot the I's as I like to say, so that you can just, again, I don't get upset. There's, there's, I don't get emotionally charged. I used to, when I was younger, I took it very personally, very personally. As I get older, I have so much more patience and I don't take things personally anymore. Um, right. It's like, because I have a document, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Remember when we agreed to all of this, what changed? And then you start to, through psychology, you start to um, do the deeper dive and the dig to figure things out. And then, you know, again, that's what distinguishes really great project managers too, because project managers will start to think like executives and they start to think of it from a standpoint of the strategy. And let's go back to the strategy. If we want to decide to change something midway through, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, if it's thought through properly. And all of the things that need to be taken into consideration are taken into consideration. You can't change scope on me and add more stuff and expect me to meet the same timeline and the same budget. Ain't freaking gonna happen. Right. And you know what? I'll tell an executive that. So you tell me magically, where's my wand? Because I want that for now the lotto for lotto right. max number. Because <laughs> I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to, you know. So like, where is it? Like, because you can't, you, anyone who understands, they know that that's not possible, right? Like there's constraints. So yeah. So anyway, I feel like right. I'm digressing. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is, this is important stuff. And I, and I would also argue that, um, Maybe organizations you work with don't always love you unconditionally, but I think the audience here loves you unconditionally. Oh. We'll, we'll have we'll have them comment on. Uh, well, do, do we love you, Adriana thank you. unconditionally? <laughs> so we'll have the, we'll family, have the audience my here. <laughs> <laughs> my family loves me unconditionally. My dog loves me unconditionally. And that, that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> that's funny. Well, a couple of audience comments here. Uh, hello, this is from Peter on YouTube. Hello from North Carolina. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. Great episode so far. So thank you awesome. uh, for that, Peter. Um, this is from um, Toyin from uh, YouTube. Oh, hello from New Jersey. Thank you, yeah. Eric, for all you do. Your channel is my go-to anytime of European-related yeah, projects. You do great work, Eric. Absolutely. 
Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so do you, by the way. Thank you. Um, oh, and then uh, this is this is just really interesting. These are more comments that I think are worth getting to. This is from Prashi on LinkedIn. Aspiring project manager, these sessions helped me a lot to understand practical problems and handle scenarios based on experience. And I think that's a great summary of what you just described for us, Adriana, which is a very complex situation that we as PMs oftentimes find ourselves in. And hopefully that that helps uh, in that. Um, here's a question I have to get to because it's a, it's going to be a trigger for a lot of the audience and maybe you, Adrienne. It's definitely going to be a trigger for me. Okay. Um, and this is from uh, Twana on LinkedIn. Has the Agile methodology decreased the failure of waterfall projects? Okay. So I'm going to say stop comparing Agile and waterfall. Stop it. Ooh, I like stop it. Stop it. Because <laughs> some projects like construction must, must do waterfall. Okay, Adriana, what are you talking about? That's not cool. I can't, Waterfall's I can't, not cool anymore. I can't build a framework. I can't build a frame of a house on no foundation. Right. That's that's waterfall. So guess what I have to do? I have to dig my hole first. And I cannot proceed until I then get the frame, like the this the 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 foundation done. Then after the foundation is the only time I can start framing. Now, inside the house, once the framing is all done, there may be some portions of my activities I can do in an agile methodology way, right? Right. But this is what the problem is. I don't know why people are pitting against the two. They're not. It's dependent. Honestly, what I, when, I, when I find that, it's like someone wants to say, oh, we're better. We're better. It's not about being better. Be smart. Think of... What tools, as a project manager, you take a step back. I use Agile, I use Waterfall, I use Hybrid. I use whatever I need to use to make sure that the project and the people on the project are successful. That's my goal. That's what project managers need to think about is I have to make sure this de deliverable is successful. So what methodology should I use? Now, like everything, one of the things I find to be very difficult for agile methodology, and just so you know, I'm a master blackout Lean Six Sigma and my world too. A lot of people don't get it. A lot of people don't get this world. And it's a paradigm shift because it's a different way of thinking. Agile is a completely different way of thinking. And most organizations are not set up to support a true agile methodology. So they do hybrid methodologies. So that's why don't, don't pit it. Don't say one is better. It's dependent upon who you are as an individual, uh, your organization, that the support the organization does, and the type of project that you're doing. That's all. That's all. Right. Agile, yes, is has its benefits, 100%. And for certain projects, absolute must. Just like Waterfall has its benefits. And for some projects are an absolute must. And then there's right. hybrid methodology. I'm seeing a lot of people doing hybrid methodology. So don't think of it from that perspective. As a project manager, you need to understand multiple methodologies. That's why I say, and this is for project managers, don't forget, agile waterfall is how you execute. Execute, not plan. Mm -hmm. Execute. Right. And in projects, there's initiation, planning, execution, monitor control, closing. So you still have this initiation and planning that still needs to be done, still needs to be looked at. This is where you look at strategically. Because if I was looking at the project, I'd probably, and most people, most, okay, I'm totally, that's a personal opinion. So I'm going to stop it. Um, <laughs> some project managers start the project that gets to Houston phase. And that's where they get in trouble. That's all. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. you have to understand there's a framework, there's a strategy, there's a strategy to it, right? And again, yeah. pick whatever methodology is going to work for you. So I hope that that's an answer that nobody was expecting. Yeah, I, I love that answer. I mean, it's it's sort of like knowing you've got this tool kit or a toolbox yeah. and you just have to know which tools to bring in at what time and, and one size did not, does not fit all. And I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I know a lot of, man, can you imagine doing construction projects in an agile way? Yeah, like the plumber shows up on day one, he's, he's ready to build the plumbing. Shit. He's got no <laughs> foundation. Total failure. Right? Yeah. But is that going to deliver you a house with plumbing faster if the plumber shows up on day one? No. Probably not. No, 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 right? So it's it's yeah. interesting. And anyway, so again, it's really dependent upon the project. Yeah. Yeah, great. Great yeah. point. Great question, too. Thank you for asking that. Um, yeah, it is a great question because I think a lot of people uh, don't know the answer to it. And there really is no answer. It just it's a tool in your toolbox. Right, right. Which I, I like that. Yeah, feel free to borrow it. You can uh, you can steal that from me. Totally um, free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is from, I'm going to shorten his name just because I don't know how to pronounce it and I apologize, but I'll call him Singh. This is from Singh on LinkedIn and it's more of a comment, but I think it's a really good sort of recap or a summary reinforcement of something you said, Adriana. Distributing responsibility does tend to bring expectations down to earth. It allows for Eric's favorite quote, what do you want to be when you grow up to flourish as realizing you can't have it all forces stakeholders to add more thought to what they, let me hide it so I can show it or read it. Um, realizing it forces stakeholders to add more thought to what they consider to be a requirement. So, um, so it is a matter of, you know, as a project manager, I think what Singh's getting at here is your, your job is to really understand you know, what the vision and what the goals of the organization are and how this project can align with that and making sure that you stay in sync and that you do reinforce and understand and reinforce what it is you want to be when you grow up as an organization. But that's not on you, the project manager, to define yourself as a, as a project leader. And I think a lot of us feel like maybe we should have to do that. Um, it gets back to that point of getting that business involvement. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's a technique to it. It's in the framework, right? And so this is why when I get my marching orders for a project, I don't do a kickoff. It's not the first thing that I do. I have to do preparatory work. I do my initiation stuff. I, I build my steering committee. I get a confirmation for the priority matrix. Uh, you know, I, I, I understand what are we going to be delivering. I prep my charter. I baseline stuff. I then do my kickoff. And I present to my team a package. Hey guys, here's a baseline of what we have to do. And my kickoff meetings are not one hour. Sometimes they're a full day. It's like a workshop facilitation. And I bring them, hey, let's get all into agreement. Are we in agreement with what has to go here? Now you tell me, what do you feel on your subject matter expertise? Because I've already you know, figured out who I need to have on there. Have we missed anybody? What is it that you feel that you're going to deliver on? And now I want you to build out your plan on how you're going to deliver on this. That's by an accountability from day one makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. It's a huge difference. And it's quite powerful. And when I, you know, that's why I love starting projects versus coming in and fixing projects. Yeah. <laughs> fixing projects midway is a different beast and it's harder. Uh, it can be done, but it's not the same as when you can start everything from, I call it the design stage, right? Like you're designing everything and you're getting it all going, but yeah. You can do it right from the start versus oh my goodness. fix everything that's broken. That's yeah, that's efficiency in me. Oh my god, I can actually do this right once, first time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that right? driving you crazy. The project cleanups, even though I'm sure you're good at it. The, I imagine it does. 
It does. It's like, oh, why? Why do I have if to? If you clean just this would have done A, B, and C, we wouldn't uh, be in this mess. You wouldn't have to do no. And that's why. And interesting. That's why I created Slay because I saw the pattern over and over and over again. It's like, oh my goodness. That's why seventy percent of projects fail. They don't understand the framework. They understand a methodology. They don't understand the full framework on how to truly execute. And I'm telling you, there's stuff that people don't think about. It's that holistic perspective, start to finish. And it's not just the tactical stuff. So, right. Yeah. Here's a question from YouTube that's uh, somewhat specific, but it touches on an underlying broader issue here. And the question here is, I work in post-merger integration. Yeah. Any advice for specific to the merger integration space? Oftentimes teams are emotional and burned out. So I guess in general, whether it's a merger integration or yeah. any sort of project that involves a lot of change and people are burned out, mm -hmm. which is a real thing that you and I have both seen a lot. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with that as a project manager? You've got a, a team that's going through a lot since COVID and all these changes that are happening in the organization. Now you're throwing in new technology or a merger integration or whatever. How do you how do you ensure that the how do you how do you manage a team that is on the verge of burnout? Well, it's it's interesting because I, I think for me, I have the advantage of being a consultant. And what I mean by that is I talk to all the senior executives. They usually they're the ones who usually bring me in. And and so I understand what's happening strategically. So I already have all these conversations with them, like, why are you doing all this stuff? Blah, 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 blah. Because there's it goes beyond projects at this point. This is really of what are you trying to achieve as an organization? Where's your priority list of the things that you need to achieve? Because not everything can be number one and you can't accomplish it all. So this is now going beyond projects. This is now strategy of senior executives. And I see this is another problem because I do strategy work with senior executives too. And, and, and this is where they're like, well, just, you know, no, we have to get all this stuff done, but they don't understand that again, they have to set things up. They have to prioritize. They should be putting things in a priority matrix as well so they can understand, can our resources do this? Because um, you're right. Just because you finish it doesn't mean it's a good outcome. Because mm. if people are burnt out and they feel overwhelmed and they're just getting the necessary things done, your outcome output of what you just finished is half-assed. Mm. And then they wonder why it didn't go over well. Well, what's your goal? Is it the quality? Of, of course, everybody says that, but yet they don't want to put the energy and effort or reevaluate or rejig or re take things off the plate, put it in for a later date. Because that takes courage to stand up and saying, hey, we can't do all of this. But, you know, we know inherently we can't do all of it. So I don't under, you know, sometimes I, I do challenge senior executives, like, why do you think you can do all this? And a lot of times they just don't understand the amount of energy, work and effort. And this is where it becomes for project managers uh, and a really good PMO to be at that level with the senior executive to share with them, like, look, there's only X amount of hours in a day. There's only X amount of resources that we have. If you really want to do all this stuff, then we need to hire externally. Uh, consultants, uh, temporary um, workers, contractors in order to get this stuff done. So again, you know, that's why really understanding priority matrices, what's, what is our constraint? What do we want to optimize and what are we really flexible with is actually a technique that you can use, not just for projects, but you can use it with everything. Like, honestly, like when you're everything, you should be looking at, you should be looking at the lens of work from a priority matrix perspective. You know, mm -hmm. and even when you get asked to put more on your plate, like let's say you're reporting to a manager and you have multiple things going on, you get asked to do more. 
yeah, sure. Okay. Can I do this? But then it may impact something else. So you just have to renegotiate that. Like, let's just take a look at my workload overall. Happy to take that on, but you have to understand my timeline may be impact. So I may need to shift this project that you want done in three weeks. I may now need to have six weeks in order to get it done because you want me to do this new thing that you're asking me to do today. So it becomes a skill set and a technique that really for me is just natural. And if someone can, um, you know, adopt that and really know how to work it, it, it will make your life really easy because look at you just because you're dumped on doesn't mean you go, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just no. accept it. But professionally, but listen, you don't have to be an ass. Be 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 professional. Be respectful, and just show sh show the strategy behind your thought. That will get you so much kudos. People will remember that, mm -hmm. and then that's how you, if you choose to, and want to rise the ranks. That's one of the ways you do it by showing your strategic mindset. By the way, with artificial intelligence, we all have to become more strategic in our mindset. Because becoming really good tactically, um, AI is going to take care of that. It's how good are we with creativity, with leading people and understanding the strategy in order to get things done. Because things are going to happen faster, too, because AI is really fast. So just as a little yeah. FYI, that's a, this is another topic I'm getting into because I'm seeing it over and over. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. it's going to force us to think differently, not just as project managers, but just in general in, in Business. the workplace. Yep, yeah, a hundred percent. So, and if yeah. and if you don't know artificial intelligence yet, uh, know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can get you. Chat GPT, Bard. Yeah, yep. Bing, and it's, Bing it's a AI. consumer, and any of us as consumers yeah. can go get that technology and start messing around with it and learning yeah. it. And uh, that's the beauty of it too. Yeah. Um. So, I guess just to sort of tie this all together. Um. By the way, I was just thinking. I feel like this is probably the fastest. Uh, our interview. I'm like, done. I could go on. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like we're about 10 minutes in. We're just getting started, but I look up and all of a sudden we're an hour I in. know, I know, I know. <laughs> That's oh, what happens it. when you're having fun. Yeah, exactly. uh, but Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com.